Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. Good morning, church. We are in a series on about church is living in unity, and we're going to talk about the passage from Deuteronomy 28 today about the commanded blessing. So we're going to get into that. But in the commanded blessing, there's seven different things that God says will happen if we follow the two rules. So we're going to talk about those two rules. But two of them are in finances. And you know how we like to do a little encouragement every Sunday to be generous, to be a giver? I've asked uh, Mike Manford, who's one of the business guys in our church, Mike, come on up, please, uh, to tell you something that he personally does. Mike's a retired uh what would you have been, Michael? You were a you were a projector of trends in the business world. Would that be correct? Uh, yeah, I was sort of a seer. If a you seer. Want. So he's very but prophetic about markets and economies and exchange rates and all those kind of crazy things. Yeah. So for ten years, Michael was either number one or number two ranked guesser of the economy in Canada. Stocks going up, stocks going down, all that kind of stuff. And Michael, you're semi-retired. You do have a risk management company that you do some consulting with. But here's, I'm going to tell Mike's story real quick, and then I'm going to ask him why he does it. But Michael doesn't have a salary per se. He has investments that he lives on, as do some of you. And Michael's chosen to do something that Lillian talked about two weeks ago, which is the concept at the beginning of the year, you give a first fruit offering you believe the Lord for what's the Lord going to do for you and your finances this year, and you give an offering to say, God, may it happen. Mike goes one step further, is that he pre-tithes for the next six months of what he expects his income to be without knowing what his income is going to be. Understand? Michael, why do you do that? Um, Partly because I'm so blessed by God financially that I can't. I mean, one of the things is, is to just honor God's heart to and for us. And I mean, who doesn't want to honor God's heart? I mean, there's no other heart that, that you could know that's more amazing. And so I do that to, to do that, and I do that to just honor what he did for me last year. So you do that twice a year, week one and week 26. Yep. You give two lump sums. Yep. Sometimes Michael brings it in, sometimes he mails it in. And uh, anyways, mailed it in this last time. I got lazy. <laughs> so, Michael, I'm going to ask you a personal question. So last year, again, you're trying to hear from the Holy Spirit, this is what I'm going to believe for, for an income. And then you pre-tithed. Were you close? Did the Lord give you more? Did he give you less? How did that work out? You don't have to give me dollar numbers, but well, um, thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. How many years have you been doing giving this way? Uh, this is my second year for that. Okay. I usually give a big check during a big, but it, I, this I sort of do as a first fruit and try to get it in the first week or mail the first week. This this t- time it was Thursday, but um, you know the the issue is to try to get it in and try to get it in for the first Sunday. Do you stress out over this? No, I have fun. <laughs> I mean, to me, I'm I'm a giver, and if if I can find somebody to help, I mean, I just I'm it just. Like, I, get a, I can get out of control. <laughs> yeah. 
little bit of, um, about Michael as well. Uh, you remember when the big recession happened and banks in the States were going bankrupt and all that kind of stuff? No Canadian bank went bankrupt. And part of that, that was Michael's business, was helping banks with risk management. And in some of the, the reports for the Canadian economy of why Canada's economy was better, Mike's name would show up. So God's used you as a seer. Well, I, I think also you have to do the, 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 you know, the superintendent of financial services is the, the guys who really bailed us out. But, you know, yes, a couple of us, you know, indirectly tried to help. Yeah, you're being very humble, Michael. Last words, what else would you like to say, encourage people to be generous? Well, you know, I think this, this, this gets very confusing because people think that tithing and giving and first fruits is under the law, but it isn't. I mean, I, I, go, I go back to Genesis uh, 8.22, where the Lord says, as long as the earth remains, he talks about a whole bunch of things, but he also mentions seed time and harvest. And I think that's one of the things we do. And it goes back to Genesis 4, actually, when Cain and Abel were getting there. And part of the first fruit thing is that if you look at the, the word, it says that Abel brought his firstlings of, his, of yeah. his flock. And as you know, God says he had a regard for that. Cain didn't have regard for, for what Cain did. But I mean, that, that's the concept. And that's not under the law. That's under the Abraham. Well, it's before that. It's under, it's under grace. Yep. As Kenneth Copeland taught us, that there was grace, the law, and then us. Yep. But, you know, and I think the other thing is you're, you're sowing a seed into God's infinite uh, kingdom. And that you're connecting yourself to that kingdom. And when you're really doing the first fruits, you're saying, okay, God, here's the best I have. And, and that's group. And, and I, you know, what does that mean? Well, I like to go back to, to Genesis, when was it? Oh, yeah, 22. I have to get notes here. <laughs> As somebody once said, I'm really good at the streets, but not at the numbers. Uh, and Genesis 22, or 26, 12 says, Isaac's, before this, it said there was a drought in the land besides the drought that in Abraham's time. So yeah. I would say that that's a double drought. A double drought, yep. And Isaac sowed in that thing and got a hundredfold in the, in, in the same year. Yeah. Who's on for that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's one of, that's one of the things you're doing. Um, the other thing is, this is prophetic. You know, the people say, well, what does first fruits mean? Well, I looked, up, I looked up the Hebrew. You know what it means? Promise to come. Yeah, the promise to come. So what you're doing is you're sowing in a prophetic act. Well, what do I have to base that on? Well, I think this reveals God's, God's heart. Even, in the, even under the law in Malachi, he says, bring the tithe into my storehouse. What is he saying? Um, give me something to work with. And what does he say? I will open the window. See, this is one of the few times. I can't remember if there's another one that says, test me. Malachi. In Malachi, that's it. He says, test me on this. See if I don't open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing you can't even contain. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's God's heart. I think the other one is given. It will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over my favorite one is he who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we can ask or dream. Yeah. Now, I'm a pretty good dreamer, but it's, you know. God's the, better. God's, God's better. And I think if you look at that, what we're doing is you're honoring God, you're, you're, you're sowing into, into his kingdom, and, and you're, reco you're basing this on what God's heart is. Yeah. And how can you go wrong? How can you go wrong? Thank you, Michael. 
You're welcome. Appreciate you sharing. Right. Friends, we're going to go quick. Are you ready to go quick? On the screen is uh, the scripture we're going to look at today. In two weeks, I'm going to preach the New Testament equivalent of this passage. And next Sunday, Gord Harris and his wife Kathy lead the School of Ministry. Gord's going to be preaching on the same topic of unity. If you didn't hear Sarah Jackson from two Sundays ago, go back and listen. She had a prophetic word for our church that I think was just amazing. And she had a really, really good talk. So let's read Deuteronomy chapter 28, and that's going to be on the screen right now. Here it goes. If you, look, look at the person beside you and go, you. Now look at yourself and go, me. Okay, so if, if me, <laughs> if I fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings that he's going to talk about will come on you. I like that little phrase, come on you. Meaning that not everybody has God's blessing on them. Some people are still looking for the blessing. This passage is going to say how it comes on you. That's a good thing. Uh, where are we? It'll come on you. Where am I? Verse 2, sorry. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, <coughs> the calves of your herd and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They'll come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send. Now, friends, this is the big word right here. The word send is the same word as command or guarantee. The idea is that the Lord is saying there's all sorts of ifs in here. There's two things that he's going to ask us to do to be able to prerequisite for the blessing of God to come our way. And if we do the two prerequisites, it's a guarantee. It's a, I will send. It's going to happen. And the word here has force. This is like if... Uh, the Rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson, the TV actor, used to be a wrestler. If he's up here and he, he pushes me, I'm, I'm, I'm going. He's got more oomph behind him than I got, correct? That's what we're talking about. The power of God comes on you and just pushes you into blessing. That's the concept we're talking about. Uh, let's go back to verse 8. The Lord will send, commend, guarantee a blessing on your barns, on everything that you put your hand to. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath. And if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to them, then all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and you will fear him. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in, in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, and the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens the storehouse of his bounty. Michael was just talking about that concept. He will send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hand. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. <coughs> the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands that I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. 
This is a foundational passage for the nation of Israel. They are about to step into what's called the promised land, the lands that Israel lives in, in today. Uh, in fact, the borders would be bigger than what they live in today. And they're at this sort of, we're ready to step into the promises of God. And Moses gathers everyone together one day, and there was these two mountains, and he, you can see them in the distance, and he goes, okay, we're going to do an object lesson today. This mountain over here, we're going to call the Blessing Mountain. And he reads this to them. He says this to the nation. The whole three million people somehow were listening. I don't know how they had a sound system good enough for three million people, but that's, that's how many people there were. And this mountain here, and here's all these blessings. Two requirements. We're going to look at those two things in just a moment. Two things. If you do these two things, all of this is going to happen. Everyone goes, yay! Okay, this mountain over here, we're going to pretend is the mountain of curses. It's Deuteronomy chapter 29. If you don't do those two things, here's all the negatives. And by the way, the negative list is twice as long as the positive list. Like bad things, like plagues, diseases, stillborn children, bankruptcy, all those kind of things. The opposites of the blessings. And Moses said, okay, people, now that you know it, what are you going to do? Do you want the blessings? Yay! Then here's the two things you got to do. You want the curses? No one wants the curses. Perfect. If you don't do those two things, you automatically get this. Choose today what you want. And the nation chose the blessings. Yep. I want to tell you a story from the Bible of two brothers. You know the story. Jacob and Esau. Esau is the firstborn son. There's just two boys. Dad is a multimillionaire. Isaac's his name. Isaac, as he's getting to the end of his days, is his eyesight is going, and he knows that he's about to die, and he wants to bless his two boys, but his older son Esau, because of the tradition that Abraham has set up, is going to get a double portion. So if you're in a family of three, and you were uh, all males, there would actually be, the, the inheritance would be divided into four, and the oldest gets a, two portions. So now there's just two, so that means that Esau is going to get two-thirds of the blessing. But it's not just the finances that came, it's not just the wealth that came, it was the word blessing that was the big deal. And when the dad says to, he calls in Esau, his favorite son, the oldest son, and said, you are an amazing hunter, go find some moose, some deer, some game, make my favorite meal, come back, and I'll bless you. And Esau is up for it. He's out. He goes hunting right away. And he comes back quick. Isaac's wife, her favorite son is number two, and that's Jacob. She hears what's going on. She goes to her son, her second son. Her first son's gone to go hunting. And she goes to Jacob and said, your dad's about to bless your brother. And if you want in there, I got a plan. And mom came up with a deception plan to trick dad who's not seeing properly. And she's going to take a goat, make it taste like it's, it's venison. And he's to put the, the goat skin on his arm so when his dad says, come close, he's going to feel his arms because Jacob was a smooth-skinned guy and Esau was a hairy guy is what it says. And sure enough, um, when Jacob takes the, 
the food in, the dad goes, well, that was quick. Well, God gave me success. Lie. Uh, come close, because he can't see. And he's, he goes, your voice is the voice of Jacob, but you, know, you, you smell like Esau, and you've you got hairy skin like Esau. And he fooled the dad. And the dad ate the meal and gave an incredible blessing that was supposed to go to Esau, but gave it to Jacob. Remember that? Esau comes back. He goes in, not knowing that his mom and his brother have tricked him again. And the dad is grieving. He realizes right away, I've been duped. I've been tricked. And when, when Esau finds out that the blessing, the words, he didn't care about the finances. When the words of blessing had been given to his brother, the Bible says he cried, he wailed, he wept. It was like he needed to be blessed needed to be blessed. Jacob runs away, and on his running away, his mom says, go find my extended family somewhere over here. And so Jacob goes over there. And you remember in the story, one of the times when, one of the days that he's traveling, he wakes up and there's angels, and there's this ladder that he sees, and the angels are going up and down and up and down. By the way, they went up first and down second, which means angels are on, on the planet, people, just to let you know. They're not just in heaven and come down for a visit. They're here, and they go up there for a visit, is what, happened, what the Bible says. Anyways, he has this amazing encounter. Fast forward 13 years later, and Jacob has done really well financially. He is his own guy. He's got two wives. He's got servants, and he's doing really well. And he hears that Esau, who has been planning to kill him, is on his way with 300 men to kill him. And Jacob comes up uh, with a plan. He's a planner. <laughs> He's a strategist. He's a trickster. That's what his name means, deceiver. And the plan is that he's going to go on one side of a, of a river, and he's going to send his wives and his kids and all his servants ahead of him, sort of a buffer. You've got to kill these people before you can get to me. If you're going to kill people, you're going to kill them first before you get to me. And that night, he goes to the very place where he'd met those angels. Jacob knows, if I'm going to live tomorrow, I need to be blessed. I need to meet God and have, have a prophetic word over my life. I need to have a voice, a, a statement from God that says I'm going to live. I need to meet God, and it has to be tonight. And you remember the Bible says that an, another angel shows up, and he's wrestling. Remember that story? He's wrestling with an angel. And this apparently is a big angel because at one point the angel's trying to get away before daybreak. And the angel just touches his hip and dislocates his hip. That's got to be painful. But Jacob will not let go of this angel until the angel does what? Blesses him. Why did he need to be blessed? Because he knew that if that angel blesses him, it means I live. If the angel doesn't have a blessing for me, it means Esau's gonna kill me tomorrow. That's the power of a blessing, friends. And the Lord is speaking this passage in Deuteronomy 28 to the nation of Israel, but it's also to every single individual had that choice to make. Not just the nation, every individual had the choice to get a commanded blessing. And it was like a, it's a unity thing. We are all going to do this so that we all get blessed. 
Yep. So what are those two things? On the screen is a summary real quick. Let me just read these things. How many of you are into this? Everywhere I go, I'm blessed. How many of you would like that? People, you need to respond right here. The Lord needs to see you. Uh, the last couple of years, I haven't been able to do it, but one of my favorite meetings every year is to join Enoch Adeboyo. How many people know who Enoch Adeboyo is? That would be the Nigerians that are here. He has the world's largest church. The building seats, are you ready? 400,000 people. A physical building. It's like four kilometers by four kilometers by four kilometers. Big, huge, huge building. Million something people that are part of their, that congregation. He does a meeting in Toronto every year. It's a prayer meeting. Starts at 7 p.m., finishes at 3 a.m. I've had the privilege of going, I think maybe five times. Where's my wife? Sandra, four or five times at least. I got to be the guest preacher once. I was the, there was maybe 10 white people in the whole room. And I'm, I, I have never been on the stage with another white, white person. I'm consistently the only person on the stage who's white. I tease them, I'm there to bring some color to the meeting. The white color. Anyways, this pastor, when he's preaching, just flows in words of knowledge. And as he's preaching, God bless every single person that's there has somehow been told to bring a white scarf, handkerchief, something like that. And anytime he says, I feel the Lord's, I feel the Lord is saying today that some of you will be blessed in your finances today. Who is that person? And they get there, they jump up and down and they go like that because they, they want the blessing. Every year, he says, every uh, couple that cannot have a baby, stand up, I'm gonna pray for you. End of the meeting, come and sit in my, my chair or my wife's chair. And they just have a line of people that come and sit in the chair, get up, move, next ones, next ones, next ones. Testimonies start at three in the morning. Last group to give testimonies is moms and dads holding a baby that are all three months old. Wow. It's amazing. Yep. So I'd like you friends, when I'm saying these things, to say, uh-huh. Like, this is not the time to be a Canadian and be, okay, yes. This is a time to say my spirit, no, I would like that. Let's do it again on the screen. Number one, everywhere I go, I'm blessed. Big. Number two, my kids and my grandkids will be blessed. Yes or no? Number three, my job will flourish and I'll get promotions and bonuses. This is in the passage, people. I've just put it in, in Canadian terms, new words. Number four, I will always have enough to live on. Yes. I grew up in poverty in a little subdivision of Ajax, just to the east side of Ajax, right down by the lake, called Pickering Beach, 75 houses, 1962. My parents had just come back from Malawi, Africa, where I spent my first five years. I now have a brother and a sister that were born in Malawi. My parents are back for one year, and they're going to be involved in this tiny little church that's basically a Sunday school. There's a building that had been built, and my parents get the building, and there's two other families that are living in Pickering Beach, the Mannings and the, and the uh, Barbers, and they're gonna start a church. And they started by having a kid's church and then started inviting the parents. My dad, in 1962, was making $35 a week, renting a house, feeding five, and life. We thought we were wealthy. Do you know why we thought we were wealthy? 
partly because of the principles of the Bible. My parents were tithers. I can remember my dad getting $35, basically $20 from one couple and $15 from the other couple. That's the money that came. <coughs> and I can remember my parents having three envelopes. And when they got paid, um, money went into the tithing envelope, money went into the savings envelope, and money went into the vacation envelope. <coughs> of the 75 houses in Pickering Beach, part of Ajax, we were the only family that had a go-away vacation every year. All the kids thought we were wealthy. We weren't. We're living in a house that was not insulated. We're living in a cottage that it has heat, but not insulated. No running water. We had a well outside. And in the wintertime, I got to boil a kettle, because I'm five, six. I got to boil a kettle, because I'm the oldest kid, I'm responsible. Boil a kettle of water, and then go to the pump, which is frozen, pour the hot water in to loosen up the water and start pumping that thing to bring the water in for showers, for cooking, for everything. Yeah? At Christmas, we got all sorts of gifts from other churches that were larger and were sponsoring our family, thinking they don't have many Christmas gifts, and so they gave us extra. I never thought I was poor because we didn't function as if we were poor. We were blessed, even though we had nothing. That's my heritage, friends. Every Sunday, whoever was a newcomer at our church, which basically was everybody in the community, came to our house for Sunday lunch. Sunday lunch, if you're British, is the best meal of the week. How many have had Sunday roast? Roast beef and Yorkshire pudding and da-da-da-da. Roast turkey, roast duck, roast pigeon, whatever it is you're, you're roasting. Anyways, that was me. Number five, my relationships will be blessed. Yes or no? Yep. Number six, my enemies won't get close to me. And number seven, my finances will be blessed. Yep. I'm thinking of Michael Friends, and this is just an amazing gentleman who uh, lives on his prior investments and is telling me every year that they just keep going up and going up and going up. And he's trying to figure out how is he giving, and he doesn't just give to our church, he gives to many, many ministries. He gives his tithe here, and he, on top of that, gives to other ministries. And Michael just, we're in the same small group, so he's saying, I don't know how it happened, don't know how it happened. Well, I know how it happened. Deuteronomy 28 is how it happened. God's blessing, correct? All right, here's the two things. You ready? On the screen. The key to receiving this, this commanded blessing is to fully obey the Lord and to carefully follow all his commands. Relatively simple, friends. What we're talking about, the fully obey, is it's gonna say it in other passages. It's when God speaks, we're gonna say yes. Last year, all of our sermons were about saying yes to God. When God speaks through prophets, through whoever it is, our role is to say, yes, we are fully in. Some of you were here. We've referred to this meeting several times because it was a, uh, a mark in the sand. But in December, I think the first Sunday of December, two years ago, we had a prophet from Ireland by the name of Emma Stark with us. So remember her bleach blonde hair, a little pink, uh, fiery Irish lady, didn't pull any punches. And she basically said this, what God is gonna do for this church is going to be so radical that you need to look at the last 25 years, all the revival meetings that you've had, and basically say, 
great, but what's coming is going to be better than that, and you're going to have no taste for what's happened in the past. That was her word, basically. Yeah? You can look it up. Look up Emma Stark, S-T-A-R-K. By the way, she's the prophet advisor for the House of Parliament in England. When they need a prophetic word, she's brought in. Amazing. Uh, gives words to Boris Johnson, who's the prime minister, and all those kind of people. Amazing, amazing prophetic lady. So that's her word for us. And, and I remember she had, us, she had us stand up and say, are you, are you in that what God's going to do is going to be so radical, so different, you're going to look back and say, we don't want to go backwards. And everyone, I was here, we all go, um, yeah, that sounds really good. I'm in. And once we said all in, guess what happened? March two years ago. COVID. Everything's changed. I'm going to guess that you're probably like me. There's a whole bunch of days I'm going, can we go back? Can we have a full house again? Can we have our whole church family back in the building again? Can we have meetings? Can we, can we hug people again? Can we lay hands on people again? Can we sing with abandonment again and move around and not be worried about social distancing? And Emma's word is, no, what God's going to do is better, and you can't go back. This word, this blessing that the Lord is giving to, to the nation of Israel is for us. The Bible says all the promises of the Old Testament are applicable for today. Every single one of us can step into these things. And friends, the deal is we fully obey when God speaks and we follow the word of the Lord. So the practicality, friends, is, is well, let me just jump ahead real quick because of time. Unity, agreeing together that we're going to pursue things together, Unity isn't that I agree with your opinion. Are we okay in that? Everyone's allowed to have opinions. That's not what we're unified on. We are not having a political view for this church. We don't support any political parties. We support them all, and we encourage you to be involved in politics. Yep, but you're never going to hear anyone on the stage say, vote liberal, vote conservative, vote Green Party, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can tell you afterwards who I voted for, but we're not going to tell you that. We're not going to tell you, take the vaccine, don't take the vaccine. We're going to tell you, listen to God. He made you. He knows you. Do what he says. Because this is the principle in the scriptures. He talks, we say yes. He speaks to us as a group, as individuals, we say yes. We get on board with him, not he gets on board with us. And friends, opinions, and number two on the screen here, our philosophies can be very, very different. Sandra and I, or I was raised, the key verse for my parents when I was being raised as a little kid was a verse that says, be still and know God. So my parents believed that I need to be still in church, sit in my pew, not make a sound, even though it was boring. Yep. Other families where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We're going to let our kids run around. Yep. So what happens for Steve Long when I'm raising my kids, because this is how I was brought up, be still, sit, stay in your chair. That's how I'm raising our kids. And other families are, run around, enjoy the freedom of God. <laughs> yep. Friends, that's not what we're unified on as philosophies and opinions. We're unified on the word of God. If the Bible says it, we're in. That's who we are. 
If the Bible says, friends, that, uh, well, let me just keep going. I'm getting off topic here. What unity is, it is agreement of what God is saying in his revelations. I just talked about that. And agreement on the principles and teaching of the Bible. For example, what is sin? In the scriptures, it's really clear what is sin. It's talked about over and over and over again. For example, the Bible says that a sexual relationship is exclusively for a married male and female, a husband and wife. Not just a male and a female, but a married male and female. Any kind of sexual activity outside of that, whether it's an, uh, uh, two single people not married, that's called fornication. If one of them's married, that's called adultery. If it's two guys or two girls, that's called um, homosexuality. The, in the New Testament, the, the catch-all word is sexual immorality. And the Bible consistently says that people who live in this kind of lifestyle, continually live in this kind of lifestyle, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says, correct? So do I get to, well, but clearly if, I, if I'm in love with this other lady, you know, Sandra, is, you know, she doesn't care for me anymore, and so it's going to be okay because I'm going to feel good. No, I don't get to cut and paste, friends. This church follows the Bible. Is that all right? The Bible says it, we're in. And we're, you know, increasingly, friends, it's going to be harder. I had a lady in the first meeting. She's a librarian at a school. And she's showing me a book that she's supposed to put into the school system about for little kids, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, on you know 16 different gender identities. And she's saying to me, what do I do? And I'm saying, do you have to put the book in the system? She goes, well, it doesn't have to be in right away. And it's like, how long can you delay? Can the book get lost? And anyways, we're just coming up with different things, and she's struggling because her values that are the Christian values, the Bible, Bible values, aren't the values of the school system. And who knows, but I know that some of you in this room have lost your job because you stood up for righteousness. Friends, guess what? That's going to be happening. Yay! That's the kingdom of God happening. That's Jesus getting ready to come back happening. Yay! What happens when people persecute you and revile you and say all manner of terrible things against you? The Lord Jesus said it. You're blessed. Yay! <laughs> Alrighty, let's let's finish. I'd like you to stand. Oh, I shouldn't have closed that because I'm going to pray all these prayers over you. Sandra, do you want to come up and help me? Let's go back to the. Sorry, here, friends. I just closed it down. I'm going to go back to that list of seven things, and we just want to pray over you. I would like you, friends, as we together as a church say, this is who we are. We're, we're a church that values hearing from God. And if God says it, we want to do it. If God has it in his word, in the written word of God, the Bible, we want to do it. We want to live. That's our marker. That's our standard. Friends, uh, here's really good news. Since September, when we've reopened our building, because uh, remember, we had a season where the building was closed. Since we've reopened the building, there's been 2,500 unique people that have come. So 2,500 different people have come at least once. That's good. It's still nowhere near what it used to be, but it's still good. And out of that 2,500, 700 people are first-timers. 
So one quarter of our church is new since September. And that's an amazing thing. And can I say, if you're one of those newer ones, we prayed you in. We've been asking the Lord to bring people to help us be the church that we're supposed to be. I'm white, friends. I can't change my skin color unless I continually go south and get a really good tan. So potentially I could change my skin color, but I was born white. And friends, this church would be boring if everyone was white. This church would be boring if everyone was black. This church would be boring if everyone spoke Portuguese, even though I like the Portuguese and they have the best meat. Maybe the Argentinians, you know, anyways. <laughs> this church would be boring if everyone was a senior. This church would be boring if everyone was in their 20s. But that's not who God's called us to be. If you're new, watch the little weekly videos that we send out about our vision, about who we are. All of that was put together because we heard the Lord say, there's something new for us. And we're trying to push in, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? Watch those videos. We were planning to show them in the meeting, but Sandra and I just talked too long. We were supposed to be three minutes and most of them are 10 minutes. So it's too long to show in the meeting. Anyways, let's, let's receive a blessing. Holy Spirit, we thank you that as we as a group say that we value hearing God's voice and if God asks us to do something, we're a yes and we value the written word of God and if it's in there, it's a yes. Father, as we do that, there's this commanded blessing that comes. As we follow you and as we fully obey, a commanded blessing comes. <coughs> and so, Father, I want to bless our church family in the room, those of you that are watching, that everywhere you go, you are blessed. Those of you with kids, that your kids and your grandchildren will be blessed. That your job will flourish. You'll get prom promotions, bonuses. <coughs> you will always have enough to live on. Your relationships, parents, siblings, best friends, coworkers will be blessed. Your enemies will not get close to you. Your finances will be blessed. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.